aiming for the moon. I am Taylor Bledsoe. And I'm Maddie Henry. And on this podcast, we interview interesting people from a teenage perspective. That's right. And today we will be interviewing Dr. Shane O'Mara, who is the professor of experimental brain research at Trinity College, Dublin, and is the author of the book, In Praise of Walking. So here's the interview. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. And I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So you are the professor of experimental brain research at Trin- uh, at the College of Trinity in Dublin. That's correct. Uh, Trinity College Dublin. Yeah. Trinity Dublin. Excuse me. Yes. So that's that's really interesting. And I read that you pu- you've published over 140 papers. So that's, that's really, right. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're also the author of the book In Praise of Walking, which is, as the title implies, a book all about walking and how it's good for people. Yes. So could was, you, yeah, continue. I was just going to say, uh, well, I've interrupted you, so why don't I stop interrupting you and you just get going with your <laughs> Well, anyway, will you please explain to our listeners, what are the benefits of walking? I am... Um, well, the problem is I could talk about that for hours, so uh, let, let me uh, do the TLDR and say that walking is good for every aspect of your being, and it's good for society at large, and there's just about nothing that's bad about walking. So what's the difference between, so a lot of people say that I don't want to walk because I run on the treadmill, I do soccer, I, you know, I train, so I have much harder physical exercise. What would you say to someone like that? Why should they still walk? Yeah, so think about this as a, as a, as a simple problem. How long does it take you to train to run a marathon? Uh, it's, what, 24 miles? And uh, to run a marathon, uh, which is a one-shot event taking about four hours, will take you about six months of daily training um, to do that. How long will it take you to adapt to walking 1,200, 1,400, 1,600 miles? A long time? You, no, only a few days. Um, humans are built to walk. This is the way we conquered the world when we first left Africa, you know, 60 or 80,000 years ago. We did it in family groups. Um, and we did it in, in small tribes. And we walked 10 or 15 or 20 kilometers a day without any trouble, day in, day out. This is something we're all adapted to do. And we benefit from it in all sorts of ways. It's good for us. Uh, in terms of, of uh, the effects that it has on our physiology, but it's also very good for us in terms of the effects that it has on our mental health as well. So basically, walking is good for us because we were we were made to walk. Like we are physically we were built to walk. That's our singular thing. I uh, remember, like we conquered the world and spread all over the world without cars, without bicycles. We did it entirely without mechanization, and we did it on foot, uh, and we did it in small groups and in tribes. So our walking is actually social and uh, the best you know some of the best walks you can have are walks with other people you know they're fun you get to talk about all sorts of stuff you shoot the breeze you make bad jokes uh, <laughs> all that stuff <laughs> that's that's definitely really interesting so i've re- i read in your book that it actually has a lot to do with your mood too that it can affect your mood is that true yeah absolutely so people always underestimate how good a walk will make them feel and are always surprised by how good they feel after they've had a good walk. So from that point of view, it, it, it elevates you as a person. 
but we also know that the more active you are, uh, the more daily steps that you do, the less likely you are to succumb to psychiatric disorders, uh, specifically um, major depressive disorder. Um, it, it doesn't seem to have so much of an effect on anxiety for reasons that we don't really understand. But uh, there really does seem to be a very, very profound effect where uh, depression is concerned. And uh, the World Health Organization regards depression as the number one mental health problem that we're going to have to deal with over the, uh, the coming 10 years. And what we've been putting up with for the last uh, six months all over the world uh, is going to exacerbate that. For sure. So that was actually going to be the next question I was going to ask you. So do you think that people getting out and regularly walking, obviously six feet apart and being safe with the coronavirus and everything, do you think that's going to help us come back from this big pandemic? I, I think it will help us all individually if we do that. I, I, I think it's too easy to feel the walls closing in, uh, you know, <laughs> if you're stuck at home uh, and you're in, a, in this terrible lockdown. Now, I, I think uh, I, I guess in the U.S., just like here, you've moved out of that sort of heavy lockdown. But, and people are starting to get their lives back together again. But um, I think what we found uh, when, you, when you look at what's happened as a result of the lockdown is people who weren't active before, their level of activity didn't change. The lockdown didn't <laughs> affect them. If you were a couch potato before, you continue to be a couch <laughs> potato now. Um, but people who were very active, we know from smartphone data that they were very active and then they dropped. And it's only slowly that people have started to get back to where uh, they were before. So I, I, th I think this has had a, a, a big impact on, on our levels of daily activity. And we really need to build a society that allows us to get much more movement in because it's good for us and it's good for society at large. Yeah, that's, that's definitely really interesting. That is. So we already established that walking is good for like pretty much everyone. Is there a difference between walking in nature and walking in an artificial landscape like a school or city? Uh, yes, there is. Unfortunately, uh, walking in nature is good for you <laughs> and walking uh, in a green environment such as is outside your window from what I can see <laughs> uh, is a good thing for you. Uh, humans need regular nature exposure. And we're willing to pay for it. Uh, you know, if you look at where pricey houses are, are uh, located, they're in the so-called leafy suburbs. If you go to the most expensive real estate in, in the United States, uh, it's Manhattan uh, overlooking Central Park. You know, uh, people do want and do need uh, regular exposure to nature. And we've, we've got lots of experiments now showing that people who live in places where they have regular access to nature are much less likely to have mental health problems than people who are, for example, living on the edges of freeways or, or whatever it happens to be, or motorways as we call them. So be, just being around nature can help you mentally and help you get like overcome many mental problems? I, it, it's more the case that just regular exposure to nature de-stresses you. So what you find is that when people walk in nature, uh, the kind of stress hormones that you normally or you often have present in your body drop. And that alone is, is good for you. And then the sight of nature is kind of intrinsically rewarding. People get great pleasure from looking at the natural world in a way that you don't get from looking at the built environment. And we, and we can prove this. There's a, a famous experiment in psychology from about 25 years ago 
which looked at uh, people who were assigned to beds in a hospital and they were put in beds randomly. This is a, a very well-known study by a psychologist named Ulrich. And if, uh, so they were going in for a, a fairly straightforward operation and uh, they were randomly assigned to bed A or bed B. Now, bed A had a view out a window, bed B had a view of a wall. And uh, the people in bed A who had a view out the window could see a tree, all of those kinds of things, and see the natural world outside the window. They complained less. Um, when you looked at the nurse's notes, they needed uh, lower doses of painkillers. And on average, they left the hospital a day earlier than the people in the bed with the view of the wall. Uh, so having a view of nature is actually a good thing. And you're, you're kind of going, wow. But, you know, if you look out your window and you've got a choice of looking at uh, uh, a concrete uh, overpass or you've got a choice of looking at uh, a nice green park, which will you choose? <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, that- it is. And it just shows you that these are part of us. Um, but we kind of forget this in the modern world. That that's that yeah it's definitely true. So if I was I'm in school obviously because I'm still young, and does having a window with nature outside with trees and with a park does that help kids my age focus? Um, I I don't know of any data on that one way or the other, but my guess is yes. Um, uh, there there seems to be a relaxing uh, component to having access to nature like that, and that. That should help you focus. Now, there may be other things going on, but I, I'm willing to bet that if you have two classrooms, one with a view of a road and trucks and things going by, and another with a view of trees and birds and all the rest of it, uh, performance in the birds and trees room would be much better than performance in the in the trucks and cars room. For okay. sure. Yeah, definitely. So if every person in the world like regularly walked, like even the couch potatoes, like everyone, how do you think the world would change? Um, oh, so that's a really hard question. <laughs> uh, if we all walked more than we do, uh, I think the first thing we would find is that um, people would be happier in themselves. Um, the, their metabolisms would benefit from this. Uh, we, we know, for example, there's a hilarious study done in, in Peking or Beijing in China recently. Um, to get a car there, you get randomly assigned a car because there's so many people living there you, um, and you can wait for many years to get a car. And in the five years after being given a, or being allowed to have a car, on average, you put on a couple of kilos of weight and the people who have to wait for the same period of time don't. Because <laughs> they're cycling, or they're using public transport, or they're walking. Um, wow! Uh, so uh, what we would find, I think, is our environment would be a lot less noisy. Um, you know, if if every time you got into a car, you decided actually no, the shop is only a half a mile down the road. I can walk there. Uh, you would benefit from the walk, and the environment more generally would benefit from the fact that you haven't driven, that you've actually walked. But the problem we have everywhere is that uh, walking is difficult in many places because there are no sidewalks. Um, Walkers are regarded as a little bit odd in some places. Uh, You should be in a car or maybe you should be on a bike. But, uh, you know, we we haven't built the infrastructure everywhere that allows people to walk easily. And if you you consider, you know, if you go back 100 years ago, uh, nobody had cars. You know, these are uh, something that only became widespread in the Western world since the 19, let's say the 1940s. 
There were cars, obviously, in the 20s and the, and the 30s. Uh, so people walked, cycled, and uh, used the tram or the trolley or whatever, the trolley bus. Um, and uh, this is something that we've done since about the 1950s. We've decided that the car is the way to go. Um, but it, life has changed, I think, <laughs> and we need to rediscover um, the benefits of a more natural form of locomotion. Wow, that's incredible. That's really cool. That is really cool. So in your book, one of the, I think one of the last few paragraphs, you mentioned that while you were walking, while you were writing your book, you would dictate it and then go back and edit it. Could you just explain to us a little bit about how you did that and why? Yeah. So um, I'm not a fast typer uh, or typist. Uh, I'm a little bit slower than I would like to be. Uh, So what I typically do uh, when I'm writing a book is uh, I lay out the chapter plan I make notes on pieces of paper like this, uh, write out bullet points and things, and then I take a digital dictaphone and I go for a walk and I read the notes as I'm walking along and I dictate. And uh, you can end up dictating five or 8,000 words very, very quickly. Oh, wow. um, so that, that, you know, that once you've done all the, the prep work. Now the problem is half of what you dictate is rubbish. <laughs> just not very good Uh, and it's a bit repetitive and it's all of those kinds of things but if you want to get a a run into a book quickly um, this is I think a very good way of getting going and then when you've got a lot of text together the trick with writing is actually not the first draft the first draft is always horrible Um, (laughs) it's just embarrassing and it's terrible to look at but once you've got text you can work with that. And actually that's where typing becomes really important because at that point you can work with the text slowly, you can consider it and you don't have to be worrying that you're not capturing your thoughts because you're typing too slowly. So that, that's how I do it. And I, I try and ignore the people who look at me uh, as <laughs> I'm walking around. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. And I'm sure you get a few weird looks. Yeah, but I just kind of go. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. So what made you interested in actually studying walking? Um, oh, so that's a great question. Um, and I'd, I, so I, I, as, as you've already said, I'm a brain scientist. And one of the things I've been very interested in is understanding how we know how, where we are in the world. Um, so this whole business of how we create maps in the brain of, of, the, of uh, our world. And uh, I've always been a walker. And uh, one day somebody said to me, you should write a book on walking. And I said, oh, yes, you should write a book on walking. What a really good idea. Uh, and it was one of those ideas that was just so close to me that I couldn't see it. It was right up there against my nose. Uh, and that's why I, I didn't have the idea. Somebody else had the idea for me. Uh, but then it was obvious what, to me what should go in a book like that, that it shouldn't be a dull story about how walking evolved or what you know, gait is about or those kinds of things. What it should try and do is tell the story from uh, where walking evolved originally on the bottom of the ocean floor and go all the way through to, you know, the kind of really enjoyable thing about walking, uh, which is walking together. And this peculiar thing that humans do that no other species do, we go out and we walk together to protest against things we don't like. You know, uh, your cats and dogs, if they don't like something, they don't march in a phalanx up the road. Uh, over the dog food or whatever it happens to be. <laughs> but we humans do, you know, uh, if there, we want to change the regime that, that's in charge of our country or whatever, 
or if there's some some terrible thing going on that we want to signal protest against, we will walk together. You know, so if you look in the UK, the country next door to me, uh, about a year ago, a million people marched in London um, to prevent, uh, uh, well, maybe not to prevent, but at least to register the displeasure over Brexit uh, happening, so which is the, the UK's leaving of, of the European Union. Um, and there are many, many other instances of this um, uh, all over the world. I know you're having some uh, big marches in the US at the moment as well. We are. Yeah. Okay, Portland, so I believe, is a particular focus. <laughs> it is, for sure. <laughs> yep. So these are the last two questions, and we ask every single one of our guests both of these. So first is, what books have an impact on you and why? Okay, so the the book I read that impacted me the most and still has done is a book by George Orwell, uh, which is 1984. Uh, And I I read that when I was about 12 or 13. Um, And that book at the time disturbed me to my core. Um, uh, I think shaped me in terms of my politics. Um, that uh, you always have to oppose authoritarians, you have to oppose dictators, um, and I think it's just the most scarifyingly, terribly brilliant book ever. Um, <laughs> and I would recommend everybody to read it. Um, it, it it's, it's yes, it's just fantastic. Uh, and Sounds if you phenomenal. haven't read it, I think you have to go and read it. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, actually, I have to read that this year for school, like I, I think second semester. So yeah. Yeah. So they, when you read that book, uh, what people do always is they read to the end of the novel and they don't read the appendix at the end. And you get to the end of the novel and you go, oh God, that's just awful. <laughs> uh, and the ending is just kind of like, ah. Um, but then if you read the appendix, it's a commentary written 50 years after the book. Oh, wow. And the events of the book are in the past and the people are now free. Uh, and everybody forgets to read the appendix. So uh, when you do the book, make sure you read that bit because uh, there's a, a small hidden message of hope in what is a book about something that is just a terrible, <laughs> terrible world. Oh, yeah. I will definitely make sure to read that appendix. That, that, makes, that actually is really interesting. So our final question is, what advice do you have for teenagers? Um, that's a, so my daughter is just about to be a teenager. She's 12, and uh, I try not to give her advice. <laughs> 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 and I think um, that's a really loaded question. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's not fair really giving teenagers advice. I, I think teenagers have a complicated world uh, to navigate, uh, and our job as adults is to help you when you, you want help the the you know the only advice i think that's worth giving is to read a lot uh, and read very diverse things so that you can enter into worlds that you otherwise wouldn't know exist um, that that's the only advice i would give you i wouldn't uh, presume to give advice beyond that so basically read other books to enter into different worlds and get the advice from those books maybe yes, not always absolutely. from the people in your life yeah. That's, yeah. And sometimes you can reject that advice. That's fine, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much. It's awesome to have you on. Well, thank you so much for uh, reading my book. I really appreciate <laughs> it. And uh, thank you for the invite to come and talk to you. I'm, I'm really delighted that uh, you made the effort to, to get in touch.
Oh, yes. It was an awesome book. And listeners, I would totally recommend it. It was a great read. Dr. Shane, Dr. Omara, whatever you want to call him, he, he insisted that we call him Shane, but I, I have to stick with Dr. Shane. I'm sorry, because <laughs> it's just wired into me. He, he was an awesome interview, and he was actually really interesting, especially after reading his book and hearing all of his thoughts on paper. It definitely made me think and want to ask him more questions about walking. Yeah, definitely. You're the one that read the book. I didn't read the book, but I was super interested. I was like the entire interview you just keep having questions that pop up. And I loved, it was such a like a unique aspect of walking because I'm one of the people who I feel more successful going on a really short run instead of going on a really long walk. So it was really cool to hear how like all those studies about like nature and all that and like how beneficial walking really is. And that's, I think that's, that's really cool. And I feel like if our, if a lot more people started doing that, I think our world would probably change for the better, which sounds kind of cheesy, but if, I really believe it would. For sure. And I don't know how it, like, how it is in Ireland where um, Dr. Shane's from, but in America, a lot of people look down on walking as kind of like a, you know, wasted time. You just got to get from one place to another place. And they'd rather hit their, do like a workout, hit it really hard and go. Cause America is very focused on, you know, go, 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 go. We're very so, patient. <laughs> very impatient. that's a good that's a good way to say it so yeah that he was very interesting in that aspect he was basically saying go a little bit slower because it helps you process and think yeah I really think like I said if I personally I know like the entire American like culture is so fast-paced if we don't have a web page that loads in like 10 seconds at least I do I get impatient in like literally under 20 seconds and that's crazy crazy ridiculous and and it's I feel like going on just a good long walk would help you process and think about and I feel like it, like you said it makes you happy and relieve stress and just walking go walk people <laughs> just go walk <laughs> for sure and Dr. Shane I wanted to tell you this because I'm I bet you're listening I went on a walk before I interviewed you and <laughs> it was amazing I walked my dog <laughs> And it honestly, I, when I was walking outside, I, I could feel the breeze. It was, it genuinely, um, like revived me. So all of his research, if you didn't believe any of the research papers that are researched by awesome scientists and geniuses, then believe me, the person who's talking to you through a microphone. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think about his advice? I actually thought it was really interesting because, you know, a lot of people say their advice and then like, oh yeah, that's awesome. And that's great. But he actually said, he was really honest with us and said, actually, I try not to give teenagers advice because I'm not in their shoes anymore. It's changed a lot. It's changed a lot since, you know, when all of our parents were adult, since all of our parents were teenagers. And nowadays, especially if you go to school, you, you have a totally different lifestyle than a lot of adults. So it is kind of hard to give te- um, advice to teenagers. So actually, I thought his advice was really interesting, even though his advice was basically, I don't have any advice for you. Go read it in other books. <laughs> I also like when he said that, like, to read a lot and read very diverse books and, like, get immersed in their world and, like, think about the, their advice in that book. He said, you can ignore it. You don't have to listen to it. But I feel like it's a good point. Books have a lot to offer, and we need to go and read them. 
For sure. Then the book actually that he recommended was 1984. And that's why George Orwell, if you haven't read it, I haven't either, but I'm going to read it this year. Um, I've heard that it's amazing. Dr. Shane talked all about it and how you have to read the appendix. People keep that in mind. Read the appendix. <laughs> if you haven't read it, read the appendix. Yeah, I would never have thought about that, but apparently that's a, a really cool. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So on to announcements. Check Our announcements. Out. Yeah. Website. Aiming for the moon. Aiming, yeah. Aimingforthemoon.com. We have merch, people. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers. Go check it out. Go support us. We can get better microphones. <laughs> I like our microphones, though. But yeah. also, make sure to review, rate, subscribe. It's pretty much that. it. Just just support us because <laughs> it helps. Yeah. So. And our website, if you want to talk, um, check out Dr. Shane's guest page, we'll have his picture up so you can see what he looks like. You can read a little bit of his bio. We'll have links to his book you know, his full bio and all kinds of stuff. So check out the website. And like Maddie said, write, subscribe, do everything they tell you to do with that trendy people say. <laughs> and don't forget, set your sights high and aim for the moon. <laughs>